for centuries. We've been warned about little green men. Now, they are coming. They're coming for you. Run. But first, shut your windows. Hide your apples. Prepare for the attack of the android. And now, your host and the human leader of the android underground, Matt Lee. What's up, everybody? It's Tuesday, April 8th, 2014. This is episode number 119 of Attack of the Androids. Every week, Tuesday night, right here, live, attackoftheandroids.com. Check it out. Matt Lee, this is Eric, Finkenbeiner. What's up, Eric? Not much, Matt. I'm, I'm coming to you live from our nation's capital, staring at the very tip of the Washington Monument, where there is a tiny red light that makes me think that a sniper is about to kill me. Nice. Just the tip. How's the internet there? Awesome. Uh, oh, nope. No, it's horrible. Really? Um, you'd think you'd where think... the president lives, there would be decent internet, at least. Is that not? Yeah, maybe he's torrenting Game of Thrones. I'm not really sure. <laughs> but, uh... You know he is. Also joining us, Nick Carroll. What's up, man? Hey, guys. Glad to be back. Also torrenting Game of Thrones. Huh. Oh, man. It's back. I was kind of sad for a minute because I was like, I used the Series Guide X app on, on my tablet. This is how this, this is what this has to do with Android. And, like, The Walking Dead ended not very well, I might add, but whatever. And then, all of a sudden, as if to save the day, it was like, oh, hey, remember this little show? And I was like, <laughs> so, yeah. Got my torn, Got my torn on. Got my watch on. So good. Got Allegedly. my... Got my friend who's read all of the books trying to tell me what the hell happens, and I'm like, you know, as much as I'd like to have this conversation with you right now, I'm not gonna. <laughs> so, uh, Android news of the week. We should start out with the Amazon Fire TV. What is this? It's actually something we've talked a lot about in the past. Hopefully... Speculative, and now though. It's here. Speculative. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm actually probably going to get one. <laughs> My wife has an Amazon Prime account. She's had it for, I don't know, a couple of years now. We've got all the Kindle Fire tablets, at least one. You know, she upgrades every year. And uh, we're probably going to end up getting it. But, yeah, it's a set-top box that's apparently pretty good for playing games. So uh, it, uh, it looks pretty good. And it's 100 bucks. So... Can I make a request? If you're going to call it something, something TV, it should be (laughs) like a screen. I'm, I'm, I'm so over the confusion, not just me, the confusion of the mass populace at large when they're like, oh yeah, I'm going to go get this, this Apple TV. I'm going to go get this Google TV. I'm going to go get this Amazon Fire TV. Oh, and also, you know, a TV to uh hook it or up to fire tv yeah right right which is yeah. it's a little confusing What's and like that's it, that's know, fine what, whatever yeah. i just you hear all all the rumors about like the apple tv and they have an apple tv that's not an actual tv it's just a box but yeah right that you need yeah. a tv to plug it into yeah how about an apple tv box or something like that or whatever an apple but, tv yeah, I, screen I <laughs> a little confusing nomenclature but uh yeah i uh but yeah, it looks pretty good. It's pretty powerful. I think it's like a quad core. They didn't specify the SOC or the CPU type. Essentially, um, there's a model number that I, I don't I don't have it in front of me, but uh, it's not like your four, you know, Snapdragon 400, 600, or 800. It's like a a different type of SOC. It's probably something designed for for this purpose as a set top box. Maybe it's not as a mobile as mobile a design in terms of like what you'd put in a smartphone. I don't know, but regardless, it's, using it's the pretty Adreno. powerful. Is using, it the yeah. Adreno 320? Is that the, is that the chip or is that the, just the like system, like the graphics system? I think that's, that's the graphics. That's the name of the graphics. Uh, it's like crate 300 maybe, or crate something. Maybe I'm wrong, man. It's, it's so hard to keep track of all these different. Oh specs. yeah. I see it now. So the GPU is the Adreno and the yeah. processor is the crate. Yeah, yeah. But, like, the actual model number of the SOC is something different. It's not like the 400 or the 600 that has these cores, but it's something very 
comparable to, I think, the 600 in terms of specifications, in terms of what it has. Well, and Nick, let me ask you a question. Why this over the Roku 3, which can also do Amazon Instant Video, but can do HBO Go as well, which the Amazon Fire TV does not? That's a very good question. Uh, in our house, we have so many people that we have a lot of different devices. Like our girls have the Roku 3. The boys use a PS4. Um, I have an X360 in this room as well as a, a Chromecast. There's a Wii in the living room, but we don't use that for high-def content. Um, it's a semi-smart TV, but it won't have all the options that the uh, uh, Fire TV has. So that's why it's good for us. If I was like a single person, you know, maybe I wouldn't get it per se, but considering I'm essentially a family man, wife and children, all that stuff, we have different multimedia boxes in different rooms for different people. And my wife is more Amazon-centric than, say, the girls are. So she will use something like a Fire TV, whereas my girls, they don't really care. They just want YouTube and a couple other things, and they can get that on a Roku 3. And I, I don't need a lot of the other features that a Roku 3 has, plus I picked up a Chromecast, so that's why I've got that. So I think it varies a lot by what you currently have and who you are in your situation. What, what are you using? If you're an Amazon Prime member already, the Fire TV is more appealing for you. If you don't have Amazon Prime, it may not be as appealing because to really make use of it, the Fire TV, you would want and you know Amazon Prime, and uh, you know and to play games, for example, you need to pick up the $40 controller to because you can't just use any Bluetooth controller with the Fire TV. So you need to pick up their $40 controller, which isn't a bad price for it. And I've seen how it compares to other controllers; it's not that bad in terms of functionality. It's, of course, designed for it. So well, it's, it's like, depending upon your situation. So. It's like we talk about with the phones, right? You, it depends on the ecosystem you're in, for sure. Yeah. And also, I mean, you can go by specs. This thing is quad-core, two gigs of memory. I mean, yeah. compared to, and Fandroid has this nice chart here, the Roco 3 is dual-core with half a gig of memory. The Apple yeah. TV, single-core with half a gig of memory. And then, of course, the Chromecast. I mean, price difference, obviously, but only single-core half a gig of memory. You're not playing games on any of these systems, and obviously that would be why it's it's so beefed up because they yeah. also have that that ability there. Yeah. Well, the interesting thing, though, is that the Amazon Prime, like the Amazon streaming video is not, like, it's not really an ecosystem thing because you can get it on the Roku 3. Yeah. Um, I, like, I'm not seeing the... I'm actually glad I'm not seeing it, but I'm not, I'm not seeing the lock-in to like, I'm an Amazon person, so I need to get the fire. It seems like they're just what they're. It seems like it's just playing off of the the name recognition that the fire tablets have now. Well, yeah, is I, there? I do agree like, with that. That's yeah. That's, I do agree with that. I'm sorry, Matt. Go for it. I was gonna say that that's a good point. But is there any benefit if you're in, let's say, the Kindle Fire ecosystem? Like, is this? I mean, that stuff, like Eric said, is available on yeah. everything because it's it in be. Amazon's best interest to let it out there, you know? It may be that Amazon apps specifically, you know, if you have a Kindle Fire or whatever and you're used to playing some of these apps and you want to try them on the Fire TV, maybe that that's a thing. I've not seen any comparisons, like, in video form yet in terms of uh, comparing, like, the, the GUI for, like, the Roku 3 versus the Amazon Fire TV and how they compare and all the features and the number of apps and stuff like that. So I have not seen that yet. So that would be something to look into. And it also, I mean, if you're going gaming, you can also go Chromecast, assuming you have a tablet that you can cast to it. But again, you're not going to get that controller experience unless you buy a a controller for it, just like with the the Fire TV. So I don't know. They're all at 99 bucks. I mean, other than obviously the Chromecast. What were you okay, I have two questions for you. Potentially for two questions. Yeah, yeah, go for it. One, do your children play Minecraft? They, well, my boys do. The girls don't yet. I've actually got a couple computers that I, that I, I built for the girls that they will eventually be doing that with. But for now, they only have a uh, Roku 3 in their room. And question number two, they... how do you train a horse in Minecraft? <laughs> 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 totally kidding. What, Eric? How, have they? Have you bought them Minecraft Pocket Edition in the Amazon no. environment? No, 
Okay. Uh, not that I know of. That, is the, that is the I'm main appeal sure. thing. Yeah. That would certainly be the, a, the big, a big deal. The fact that this is available on the Amazon Fire TV, like to have the Pocket Edition on the TV, that was like the big gaming appeal that I saw. I, yeah. I don't know of any other games that are available for it. I don't know. I don't know specifically what they are. I, what I, I know I've looked at the Amazon App Store for games because I've I've used my wife's uh, Kindle Fires off and on over the years. And to be blunt, there's not nearly as many as there is in the Google Play Store. You you sort of get spoiled on the Google Play Store in terms of searchability of games and uh, the availability of them. And it's it was it, at least up until recently for me, it's been harder to even find games in the Amazon App Store compared to Google Play. It's just hard to find. Like I would search titles that I know that I have on my Nexus 7 right now, for example, right? And they're not there. So that kind of that kind of searchability. It's not like I just type in something or I'm just browsing through the store. Like I'm searching for stuff I know I've played on the Google Play Store that I, that I, I can't find on Amazon. So I'm hoping this will actually help the Amazon market or store, whatever you call it, App Store, in getting more games and more apps. And I'm not sure what actually would work work or play well on the Fire TV because I've not personally used it. But since there's an option between that and a Roku 3 or putting my Chromecast into there, I think my wife would get more out of the Fire TV than the Roku 3 in that room simply because she's so Amazon-centric personally. So, Will we ever get to a time where there's just one app store that you can go to regardless of whatever stupid device you have? It seems, I mean, I get why. It's just, like, such an annoying thing. It's like, if I want to, ooh, yeah, I get effed. If I want an Amazon Fire TV, I get effed. If I want a Google Chrome, you know, like, each one kind of Fs you in its own little way because everyone's being kind of a greedy pig. Yeah, well, I mean, the thing you would do on Ouya, for example, would be you would get CM11, put that on it, and then put the Google apps right, on it. Right, right, yeah. You make that a Google, you know, device, basically. That's the way around that. That, But I certainly agree. Like, the Ouya store itself it is not the Google Play store, and so that's a huge limiting factor. And then the Amazon app store, as good as it may be, is still like a third or less of the apps you know, as you would find on a typical Android device powered by Android, you know, so. Well, that's cool. And I look forward well, to their second version, the Kindle Amazon Fire TV HD. <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah, the HDX. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. The HD plus one. That's right. Uh, so talking about TV cord cutting stuff, Android TV, that's the one I meant to say was yeah. something we haven't talked about yet, but you confuse me. Uh, so this is again, not a TV, not even a box. This is just like a, a, it's not an SDK, right? Or maybe it is, but this is the interface into, uh, a, a TV (laughs) of of sorts. It sounds like now we're all confused. Screw it. It sounds like the second edition of, uh, Google TV. It sounds like. Google TV Reborn, in my personal opinion, from what little we've seen from like The Verge, you know, you know, that I've seen the the Verge's video on it. I've read the article and I've seen a ten minute interview uh, that Sean Hollister had on what was it uh, Tech Talk today, um, and uh, it's it's interesting. It looks interesting, but to me, it looks offhand like it's just going to be a new improved version of Google TV that's named Android TV, the box. But it's using cards, right? Going towards that unified card interface. Yeah. And it may have more legs than the Google TV did because the Google TV just didn't, didn't really take off. So, well, that's interesting. Do you, do you think Google got embarrassed and they're like, uh, we're going to just give this one to Android. We're going to take our name off of it. It's going to be Android TV, not Google. I don't think the Google TV embarrassed them as much as, the Nexus Q. So, oh come on, yeah, that thing was but, cute. Uh, yeah, it was so cute. Eric has but, uh, one. <laughs> so I no, fifty. Yeah, well, I do think that basically that's what they're going to do, and we may potentially even see old Google TV devices upgrade to Android TV. I guess, but I don't know. That seems to have been dead for the last year, as far as I can tell. I don't personally own one, but I've seen very little movement for uh, Google TV in the last year, at least from 
what I've seen. So. Yeah, Ant Pruitt would be the one to ask. I'll, I'll ask him on Yachts tomorrow night, but I'm kind of curious, like, when the last update was for that. Like, has it been abandoned for a while now, or are they still kind of plugging away at it? Yeah, well, I mean, I've seen some advocates. I forget the name of them exactly. Like, there's the Google TV advocates. There's a different name for them. But, you know, like Derek Ross and some of the other people right, that right. I've seen either in video or written format talk about it, it's been, like, dead from right. as near as I can tell from from them in terms of even discussing Google TV. So, I, I gave up on it. I unplugged mine. Yeah. Um, I put it back in its box. I was considering selling it, and then... I just I just bought a Roku three. Um, they they really did. They just abandoned the entire platform. And you know when the Chromecast came out, I looked at it as, okay, this is their shift. Right. So maybe the I don't know like maybe Chromecast is the you know is like the in between step to this. Um, did Nick? Did you get a sense from these videos? Like you mentioned set top boxes yes. briefly. Did they say it will not be on set-top boxes? Are they targeting it as the TV operating system, or are they still talking about set-top boxes? You know, that's a good question. Uh, I I wasn't sure it was going to be something like Android Wear, where it's like a fragment offshoot of Android with certain capabilities specifically designed for, like, wearables, like with Android Wear. I don't think it's going to be, like, an offshoot of Android that's specifically designed as a set-top box. I think it, it's either going to be... The operating system, which will work on Google TVs and thus upgrade them to Android TV, or it will actually be a uh, set-top box called the Android TV with a ver- custom version of Android designed for it, but it will run all your Google Play stuff. Nick, what yeah. if – what if – now, <laughs> bear with me, but what if they created something – that you could flash on any smart TV, regard Samsung, LG, you just plug it in and it does its thing and rips oh, yeah. all their crap out and boom, Android TV. Now that would be cool. Yeah. Dude, I ripped my TV. <laughs> right? My TV. <laughs> yeah. I mean, as cool as that sounds, I do agree that probably isn't going to happen. But I, Well, I, yeah, I know. Be, yeah. But it could be like an app that's added onto a smart TV that supports those kind of apps. But I think more more realistically, from what little I've seen, from what little is leaked out that I've seen through, you know, third parties or whatever, it, it seems like it's going to be a set-top box or an operating system for set-top boxes. You can you can sell as a manufacturer or, an OEM, or as an OEM, basically, sell a set-top box with Android TV on it Maybe put your own skin on it, or maybe it's literally going to be that same Google stock Android interface for these boxes and then whatever. But I do think it would have to be slightly different interface than stock Android on a tablet or a touch device because it's going to be a box connected to your HDTV or whatever. So I don't know. Well, this interface looks beautiful. Yes. I, I said it on – I posted this on um, on our Google Plus community. So if you're not in the community, you should join because we post cool crap like this every week. That's right. And I mentioned that it, it looked a little bit like, like it reminded me of the Roku just a little, sort of like these little blocks, but it looks way more polished yeah. and way more modern. You know, what it, you know what it reminds me of? The, do you remember the very first version of, uh, what was it called, Windows Media Center? Yeah, it's mm. like a way it's what that should have been now, you know, like this is what that should have looked like and it would have been awesome. But they, they had the idea there, but it was very clunky. Obviously, if you ever messed with that, have a little button on the remote for the little green Windows button and you press that and everything would go and then it'd bring up the. Oh, yeah, this is much, much nicer. But this is kind of what that reminds me of. It's, it's like a better, awesome version of, of that. Uh, and it says Google's calling for developers to build extremely simple TV apps for an extremely simple set-top box interface. While Android still lives under the hood, the interface will consist of a set of scrolling cards that represent movies, shows, apps, and games sitting on a shelf. Clever. Uh, you can use a remote control with four-way directional pad to scroll through everything and categories and, and all that. You Just know, like a shelf. This could be basically Android as we know it, but with just... Uh a custom launcher at, at, at the bottom line. It may just have its own custom launcher. It's In that, which that case, you could flash it and put your own custom ROM <laughs> on it. 
Uh, uh, it'll also support voice input notifications, of course. And that's that's kind of cool. I mean, if you, like we said with the unifying the card interface, you could control this with your watch. I mean, if you're just swiping with your glass, because it's all cards, right? You can see it and then beam it to the TV uh, of what you want to watch, controlling it from anything, be, if it's all the same interface, yeah. which kind of seems like what they're what they're wanting to move towards a little. Um. Yeah, that's kind of cool. We'll keep an eye on it and see. So, release see dates? Happens. Anything? Like, nothing. I haven't seen anything on that. Nothing. Okay. It, you know, I mean, we are going to have a Google I.O. at some point. I wonder if it's going to be released then or if it's going to be released before then. Oh, is everybody going to get a free one of these and never use them like the Q? <laughs> oh, man. Holy crap. Guys, if you scroll down in the comments, mm-hmm. I think I know why this looks familiar to me. Hmm. It's like the it's like the Zune interface. No, oh, wow. which was Windows <laughs> Media Center reborn. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> All right, moving on. Uh, G Music FS. This is kind of cool. It plays Google Music in whatever Android player you want. Uh, was this you, Eric? Were you messing with us? Yeah, uh, I downloaded it. I haven't messed with it yet because I don't. I didn't. I looked. I don't think I have any music in Google Play Music. Um, not an all access the basic idea. subscriber. I have all access, but th- what this is what this is for, uh, and it requires you to be rooted and running uh, ice cream sandwich or better. Um, and what it does is it takes the music that you've uploaded to Google Play Music, um, and it it creates sort of like a a mount point um, in the Android operating system, and it by doing that it allows um, it's not it's not foolproof and perfect yet, but it allows most of the popular um, like audio players like Power Amp and Seven Winamp. Oh. Uh, it allows them to access this music because right. it looks like it's on a local drive. Oh, that's, wow, that's nice. kind of cool. Even if now, does it have to be cached to the device, or can it stream? My understanding is that it can stream. Um, and from I was reading through XDA to you know just get some of the comments. Um, some people have complained that because uh, some people are talking about it transcoding, so it might be like it's probably streaming and then transcoding it, um, right. saying that it was a little slower. Um, you know, there's a bit of a lag, which I can understand. Um, and then other people talked about it's, uh, you know, <laughs> rebooting their computer, uh, their uh, phones and tablets. Nice. Um, so I mean, it's still very much a beta, there's no support, it's some guy on XDA that did something that he thought was cool, um, but, I don't know, for somebody, because I was thinking, you, like you, Matt, I thought that you had uploaded a bunch of your music when Google I Play live, Music announced. I live in Play Music, but I also have all access, so I don't know, but do, do, do people have beef with the Google Play Music app? Because that's all I use, and it's just fine. Yeah, I stopped I using that. Winamp, I stopped using, uh, a, what was the other one, Double Twist, I think? And that's, like, all I use now, and it's awesome. And if I get, like, uh, my brother's making beats for this new album we're kind of messing around with, and if he sends me an MP3 in Gmail, I can tap on it on my phone, and it'll play it in the little play music thing, just a little pop-up, though, of that MP3, which is also awesome. So I don't know. What's people's beef with the music player? They don't like it? I think, you know, it's just people, you know, it's Android. People like choice. Well, yeah. Um, sure. I personally don't like the the Google Play Music, you know, the player. I've had some issues with it in the past. Well, you're an idiot, and that's fine. I mean, not everyone. <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, that, it's a cool idea, though, to be able to, like, mount that and have it play on a different player if you're like Eric and you don't like like their player. It's choice. Why do you hate choice, Matt? Hey, choice is fine. Just wish but sometimes choice confuses people, Eric. And I'm just thinking for the greater good. You know, I'm not being selfish. Oh, okay. <laughs> cool project, though, for sure. Uh, Google Link Keep. Link in the show notes. Google we Keep. We take no responsibility if you break your phone. Well, sure. Have we ever? I mean, we'll help you fix it maybe yeah. if you have a question. But uh, Google Keep also getting a, a nice update. With some OCR and a refreshed user interface, I like. Yeah, Keep. I find myself using Keep way more than I thought I would. And Can I, I pretty much, except when I'm storing something permanently, like, you know, like I, I store my recipes in Evernote, 
But anything I need to remember, like just these quick things, I'm using Keep. Yeah. I Can You're I tell you a secret? I, I uninstalled Evernote, and all I use now is Keep. <laughs> yeah, I use it too. Whenever I go shopping, wherever I make lists for things I need to go out and do because I forget a lot. <laughs> you know, I'll be walking around, <laughs> around the store going, what the hell did I come in here for? Pull out the smartphone. Oh, yeah, these things. Food, you know, stuff. So, yeah, I, I still use the hell out of Keep. So, yeah. Oh, one thing I like about it, yeah, the big thing for me is just just that overhaul of the UI. It's very minimal, but there's that yellow bar up at the top that gives you more options. So, and you can uh, search, although I haven't really, <laughs> I don't have that many documents. What I tend to do is I have a handful, and when I'm done, I basically delete it or I clear it and then make use of it for something else. But it's pretty cool if you're a power user, I guess you can, you know, do more things with it, so. Well, I think that the other, the other two big changes in this update um, where they added a trash, so if you delete yeah. something and then you're like, oh god, I need it, um, you you can go back and get it. Um, the other thing is uh, OCR, which I think optical character, character recognition. recognition. Yep. Yeah, so that's like so you can take a picture of something like a business card or a document, and it will keep will scan it and then try to you know, interpret what is typed or written and, you know, save it as a keep note. Um, so that, I mean, that's that's a really cool thing, which I am testing out right now. Does it do that natively or does it pop Google goggles open if you have it and use that? <laughs> like, is it doing the OCR in its in itself? I don't know. If you talk amongst yourselves for just a moment, then <laughs> so I will tell you what it does. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I'm taking a picture. And then it has the sort of like you know when you're when you're taking a picture for an app how it has the you know X redo and right, check mark so right. I hit the check mark. Good choice, good choice. And I know. Well, I try. Um, so it has put the picture in here. Um, and let's see if it will. Okay. So then if you so I have the picture in my note, um, and if I go to the options button, I can hit transcribe text. Nice. So it says processing image. And still waiting, still waiting. Ooh. Oh yeah, uh, nice. yeah. So that's going. Um, <laughs> I don't know what it's doing. It does hey, not. Give well, you we'll any. check. We'll check back in at the end of the show, yeah. and we'll yeah, see what it, it has for us. Sounds I good. I took a picture of my face, and it said "can't recognize text." So. <laughs> wow. Uh, last episode, Lovely. we mentioned the cool dot view case for the the HTC One Mate. <laughs> the One Mate. Um, Cult of Android has uh, an article on how to make your own, kind of, for way cheaper than <laughs> what's what's the what's their case like fifty bucks, sixty bucks? How much is it? Fifty bucks. Because this one's ten. Fifty bucks for the light bright case. Uh, and you need a drill. <laughs> also a drill. And probably oh. what? Some magnets? Yeah. Yeah, you need a you need a drill. Looks a you little need crude. some <laughs> magnets. Um you need a uh uh what am I thinking? Yeah, I mean I actually I think drill magnets, cheap case, that's it. And as long as uh you put everything in the right spot, uh it should work. Yeah. Like, yeah, um, if you watch the video, it actually does work. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> That's pretty cool. The only problem is, is that I mean, you're you know, it, it would be best if you, I think, if you got uh, so the guy, the geek.com video, the guy got a like a leather and fabric case. Um, it'd probably be better if you got like solid plastic, or if you 3D printed your case, something like that, and then you're just, I mean. It's probably mind-numbing. You just sit there and drill these stupid holes. <laughs> and the way that HTC is doing this is that in a in a very specific part of the case, it puts a small magnet. So when when the magnet is sensed at that particular part of the screen, it turns on light bright mode. So you get this cool. <laughs> is that what we're feature. calling it? Light bright mode. <laughs> I love yes, it. Yes, I. It makes a huge this this yeah. makes me wanna. 
I really want to get this phone just to have this case. Somebody this should. Idea. Somebody needs to seriously, like right now, hack together a little app that will turn light bright mode on, but make it light up like the <laughs> clown from the light yeah. bright. You remember, oh, like, yeah. oh, that creepy clown. That would be awesome. Well, you know, one thing I'll say that's cool about this dot view case is, uh, all right. So in Best Buy about a month ago, I went and looked at the uh, whatever that the view case is for the S4. On the note, uh, they had like a demo of it, and the screen itself was actually burned in quite a bit because the lights had been on, you know, the LEDs had been on for quite a long time with people opening and closing, opening and closing, or leaving it closed or leaving it whatever, and it caused permanent burn-in in this section of this high-end $700 plus phone that's out on display, and I'm thinking to myself, that could happen to anyone, not just a demo unit. Well, in this case, they're not necessarily doing that, you know, on these screens for the HTC One M8. You know, you're not seeing a static image on it for a long time. So that's one of the cool things I think about this is their approach is a little bit different and should cause less burn-in. Well, it's more like active notifications, right, on the Moto yeah. X. It's something yeah, that's it's there. It's brief and goes away. Wait, and that's yeah, it. exactly. So. I promise you, if I see a video where, you know, you're looking at the picture here, how it has the little cloud. If I see a video where it starts raining and the little thing animates with rain and lightning, I'm buying this phone. Right? <laughs> Do you remember the animated Etch-A-Sketch? That's what it kind of will remind me of uh, when that happens. Do you, you shake ever... up your phone? No. Yeah. <laughs> that was awesome. This is just so great. I, I love it. HTC, they're coming back, man. Way to I, innovate. I've heard people... In the past week, I've heard people talking about this phone, and that that shows you like that shows me at least like that there may be a shift on the horizon away from the Samsung and towards the HTC again. That's a good point because, like, I'm sure in, in your case here, everybody I know has an S4 or an S3. Um, it's weird. It's the go-to Android phone if you don't know anything about Android. But those of us that are in the know, we're like, that phone is disgusting. Hand me a Moto X or something rooted. And it's like, uh the S5 now and the, the Mate. I mean, I'd go Mate at that point. But Mate and Moto X, I'm keeping my Moto X. And not just because yeah. I just bought a car dock for it because I have a car now. But... Ooh. Because it's awesome. Well, I know a lot of people in the tech community. I watch a lot of videos from like Techno Buffalo and other things. And most of them, their phone of the year has either been the Moto X or the HTC One, not the S4. I can't think of anyone that I've watched in the last several months who've said their phone of the year is the S4. For example, it's always been the the One or the X. So yeah, yeah. So all all these phones. You know what that makes me think of, guys? Developers? Fragmentation. Oh. Developers, developers, developers. Um, <laughs> did you guys read the, this article about the fallacy of Android First? Yes. That was on TechCrunch? TechCrunch, just knocking it out of the park. Yeah. So this article, I, I actually – this is the first time in a long time that I've looked at a TechCrunch tech article and said, wow, this is actually – I may not agree with it, like with much of what I'm reading, but I, I thought it was an interesting, unique yeah. thing. I think it was well um, done, and I, I would say it's even thought-provoking because I hadn't thought of that developing for Android fragmentation issue in the light that was presented by the person that wrote that article. So, so it's yeah, about uh, Dave so Feldman. I'll give a brief, oh, yeah, go for it. Brief o overview. Um, I don't know if you guys have ever heard of the app Emu. Um, I had not, uh, but it is a text messaging uh, app that, you know, it was a replacement app um, that was launched first on Android um, back in 2012. Um, so this article is written by the co-founder of Emu, who is Dave Feldman, talking about why they have discontinued their, um, their Android version and for the foreseeable future, they are focusing just on iPhone. Now, is it um, because Dave Feldman found Tech Secure and was like, wow, this is way better than our crappy thing. Um, we're just going to develop for iOS? Or w what was the reasoning? 
if that did happen, he did not admit to it. Uh, well, let me ask you, about mainly. what does Emu have benefit over the default text messaging app? It's not a, like a secure thing like TechSecure is, right? So, like, what was their niche? What were they trying to do? It's not, and obviously because there's no Android version anymore, I can't test it, but from looking at their website, it seems like, um, you know, if you texted me and sent me a text message and said, hey, where are you right now, I could respond with a little snippet um, showing, like, part of Google Maps. Or if I say, like, you know, what are you doing, you know, it integrates with the calendar. Um, that's what it seems to be. Um they say that it's texting with a built-in assistant, so um, you know it, it looks like they were what they were trying to do was was pull in all of these different apps and different features like like maps, like your calendar, like your alarm clock. Can I um, can I just stop you right there? Bring them in. Can I let me just stop yeah. you right there and tell you that that sounds like the worst idea I've ever ever heard let's take this thing that's supposed to be really fast so you can send messages and let's just make it as bloated as we possibly can with a bunch of crap that you're never going to do with it no kidding they stopped it i'm sorry please continue well i mean let's not let's not be unfair i they were it if what i'm reading like again i can't use it but it sounds like they were trying to do something interesting with the space so good for them because okay. text messaging is kind of one of those you know, boring things that only, you know, like we're only really seeing um, big movements, in my opinion, in the encryption side of things. Um, so, what? So the first thing they talked about was the first thing he talked about was, um, you know, actually all he talked about was the development issues that they had. Um, so they decided to go Android first because uh, with Android you had direct access to SMS and MMS. Whereas with iPhone, you you do not have the option to replace the default um, the default text messaging uh, app. Um, so what he talks about is how he says that the Android uh, you know APIs are not very well documented. Um, that Android made some changes in recent versions um, that allowed you know one SMS app to block another SMS app. Um, a big thing he talked about was uh, carrier fragmentation surrounding how they implement specifically MMS. Um, and I think he also talked about fragmentation about how they implement SMS. Um, so there's a lot of very specific like Android operating system stuff that he talks about. Um, but then he also starts starts talking about the tools, saying that the Android tools are not that good, that Apple's tools are much better, that he finds all these really weird bugs. Uh, one bug that he talks about is if you pull up a Google map in a scrolling view, it causes redraw problems, and he has a picture of it. And I don't know about you guys. I've never seen this before. Have you? Pulling up a map inside of an SMS message? <laughs> no, that's stupid. I'll open it, up Google Maps. It looks a little bit like, like Samsung's chat-on application. Maybe it doesn't have all the features and vice versa, but it, it looks like a versatile chat client essentially with with you know those kind of features, I, I personally hadn't even thought of that personally. But you know, so is that a bug in their well, what, code, what or is that you... something with Android? Well, his assertion is that it's a problem with Android because when you, not necessarily when you pull up Google Maps within a text message, you're saying that when you put a Google Map and you you put it into a view uh, with, that you know you're able to scroll through that it causes problems with the screen redrawing. So that's where you get like these these big black, you know, empty blocks um in your in your frame yeah. in the in the view that you're looking but at. But doesn't yeah. Hangouts do that? You can add a location to Hangouts and see it just fine. So well, uh, it may be that the way Maps is rendered is different than the way that application does things. I I'm not a developer, so it's out of my understanding, but it, it does sound weird that integrating maps into their client somehow causes these graphical glitches. I don't, I don't know. Well, Nick, you're not a developer, but we have a developer that joins us on Attack of the Androids uh, from time to time, and his name is Shane Brady. And after he read the article, uh, his response, which I thought was kind of funny, is, 
Foolish carpenters blame their tools. <laughs> so it sounds like Shane's Shane's standpoint is that this is not a this is not an Android problem. This is a problem with the developers, which seems code. to be a sentiment that you know a lot of the commenters are parroting and. Listen to how it's worded. So we jumped in. We discarded the iPhone prototype we had been working on for a few weeks, polished our rusty Java skills, and had an Android Alpha out by February 2013. So we basically went back to a language we haven't used in God knows how long and rushed out this Alpha to get it out quickly and wondered why things were broken? Like, I'm not a developer either, so I'll just, like, it's over my head, but it that's kind of what it sounds like, you know? Yeah, I and I don't know. I, I, I know how to develop. I would not go as far as to call myself a developer. Um, I have messed around with Android, um, but I, like, this... I can kind of see both sides. Like, I'm not gonna, I'm sure. not gonna say that Google's APIs are perfect. No, um, of course. I mean, this is why they update them because there are things to improve on. But I, I don't necessarily think that the landscape is as dire as maybe they're putting it out to be. Right. I mean, um, all the other apps work, yeah. right? They've been working. Text and it may be works. specific to the application that they're programming for. What I was thinking when reading this is, what if they were developing a different app or a different game or some sort of different program, essentially, whatever they're developing. Well, that would remove the MMS-SMS problems, but that would still yeah. uh, going on further in the article, yeah. talking about just straight-up fragmentation. Yeah. What if they're just developing a text editor, or what if they're developing some sort of desktop publishing type? I mean, I don't know. It just depends, but I'm just not sure that they would have had the same problem if they were developing something else on Android compared to you know, the program that they did choose to right, go for. Right, right. Because SMS communication is different. And yeah. I'll give you that in TechSecure. If you want MMS to work, you have to go into the settings and add Verizon or AT&T or whoever, whatever their yeah. uh, MMS gateway is. You add it in there. And until – and I've gotten my mom, my friend, my roommate, my girlfriend. Like we all use TechSecure and we all have encrypted chat because it's – it you can do it, so why not do it? And every single one of them, I got the text message it was like, "Did you get this picture?" And I'm like, "No, what picture?" And I'm like, "Oh yeah, you got to go into settings, and depending on what kind of phone you have, here's where settings is, and then you have to figure yeah. out what your what your uh, carrier gateway is for the MMS, and then copy and paste that into uh, the proper setting uh, for for whatever phone yeah. you happen to have, but." It works. Like, it it all works as soon as you do that. And I think that was one of their uh, complaints was that you don't have yeah. access to everybody's uh, yeah. carrier gateway. Yeah, their thesis is the fragmentation isn't just like version 4.0 compared to 4.1, 4.2, et cetera, et cetera. Their version, you know, is more of an issue of, you know, yeah, the different carriers plus the versions of the operating system, you know, and how, how far back will they support and, how many developers can they dedicate to working out all the bugs? Right, right. Like so yeah. And then you get into like they're saying here the on the the Samsung uh, Galaxy S4 the multi window feature enabled yeah. their pop up windows were squished by the keyboard. Now this doesn't happen on the S4 Google edition uh, without obviously the Samsung modifications or yeah. with multi window feature on the S3. Uh, we investigated, but because it relates to Samsung's specific functionality, we probably can't fix it without direct cooperation from them. So we're going to iPhone. Taking and, our and code and we're going to iOS. And, you know, to some extent, they're developing a competing application to chat on, so I'm not sure how, how well Samsung is going to support or allow support for that. I don't know. So, Well, this is where I, this is where I see a valid criticism. Mm -hmm. Um but it's not a valid criticism necessarily of Android. It's a criticism of Samsung and the fact that they have this crapware that they like they're what they're doing is not simply a skin or a launcher. They are they are messing with Android on a deeper level. So and it's much issues. So much. I have an a tab like the small new Galaxy Tab three at work. I hate it so bad. I wanna throw it out of the window on the highway. And that's sometimes it disconnects, and I granted that's the sim or the antenna, and it got sent back. But just like all of the crap that is on there, and all I'm using is Chrome, 
I'm just using the browser. But if you touch something, it's like, oh, did you want to talk to me? Did you want to open your eyes and stare and scroll with your vision? Like, I don't, I don't want any. Did you of want S memo? Did you want did you S voice? Did you? Yeah, right. It is so annoying. I just started doing it because they sent the tablet back to get a new one, so I have had to use my phone. It is so much more enjoyable on this little screen on my phone without any of that crap on it than it is on this tablet that is just, oh, it's, it's terrible. And that, that is a valid beef. But on the other end, without all of these different fragmented devices, Android wouldn't, I don't think it would be as popular as it is now. You know, if Google yeah. would have came out with the Nexus and then the night, like, and that was the Android phone, I don't think the market would have gotten as big as it is. We wouldn't have the cool things. We would not exactly. have the light bright cases exactly. necessarily. Right? Exactly. It's, weird... it's it's all this iterating. So I'm I'm gonna point I'm gonna point everybody to two comments. Uh one of them it's real short, so if you don't mind I'll read it, and then the other one um we can just put in the show notes. But I it's very long, but I think that this guy is I think he nailed it. I think he he, you know, identified the valid criticisms and pointed out the BS ones. Um so the first one, it's a little snarky, um, maybe a little cynical, but uh, Rafael Sanchez at the Universe, Universidad Estadual de Maringa, uh, he says, this article sounds to me like a clever founder using clever marketing. Mm. Here's my theory. Mm. Number one, as an engineer that implemented a messaging app on three platforms myself, I know he messed up trying to create a messaging app with SMS and MMS. Sorry, dude. That was lame. <laughs> number two. Sorry. Yes. Number two. Then he ported the app, ported it, fixing all his architecture mistakes to iOS. After you learn the hard things, it's 10 to 50 times easier to port anything. And number three, after he launches on iOS, he thought, our Android app is useless because of my architecture <laughs> decisions. Now, why don't we remove the app from play and get free marketing on TechCrunch? That's very clever. One of the top creative marketing hacks I've seen. <laughs> so the, good. That that I think is that's a very cynical way of looking at it. I think you can. I mean, the the things that I pulled out of that were, yeah. I mean, maybe maybe this person learned all the mistakes up front and then just didn't do them in iOS. Well, what I was um, thinking, and then the second one is – go ahead. Well, I was going to say when I was reading the article, that's what I was thinking because he's basically saying, you know, we chose to do SMS class MMS, but on, on Apple's platform, they don't have access to that, so they're doing something else. So why not do that something else on Android? So anyways, go on. Yeah, no, and like I said, I will not read the second one, but the one sentence out of it that I do like, it says, it seems to me that the best approach to Android development is nothing special. It just takes good old-fashioned craftsmanship and elbow grease. It takes designers who know how the ecosystem works, and it takes developers knowing how to code for it correctly. So, you know, take it for what you will. These are, you know, self-proclaimed developers in the comments. You know, there's some... There's some, like, vitriol in here, and some people are just, you know, taking swipes at one another. But um, I think the two that we just talked about are probably the best out of the bunch that I've seen so far. Yeah. Excellent. All right. Uh, we're running out of time here. Let's. Android Authority had a couple good articles on uh, CyanogenMod. The new 11M5 builds have arrived. Uh, I got to tell you, I haven't rooted or rom because of the moto x just it's a great phone if i'm yeah. sure in uh what is it a year and a half when i'm eligible for a new device uh maybe i'll get something else i do still have my galaxy nexus i should break that out and just like break it but um all sorts of neat changes whisper push translations sim support patches all sorts of fun stuff also the new identity getting rid of sid Focusing yeah, on security, that. choice, and openness. It's just a generic logo at this point, yeah. It's OCP. Yeah, yeah. Look at it. What's that's, that game, Super Hexagon? That's right? What that is. The O, C, and then the P. That's, wow. <laughs> so, uh, pretty cool there. Just kind of moving along. 
Uh, did you guys see this? The the danger lurking in Android phone updates. Dun dun dun. Dun dun. Uh, researchers determine Android allows installed applications, if so designed, to t- obtain additional capabilities without the owner's consent. Hmm. Just by updating the phone's operating system to a newer version. All you have to do is wait <laughs> for that that once every full moon on a third leap year when you get a, a new update, and then uh, and then it can do its thing. So... I read this and I thought that it was, you know, it. I don't. I think that if you plan this right, like yeah, yeah you could target people. Oh, for it. sure, for sure. So, we've. I'm because we hear about like. Remember a few months ago, um, there was like some incremental update that was going out to mm-hmm. all of I think the Moto X's yep. and everybody like the camera fix or something. Yep. So if at that point you created some like Moto X specific app and you. You know, maybe you got some bots to promote it so that way it floated up to the top of Play Store. Because because it's, you know, we have this problem with Android to where a new thing comes out and everybody's hitting, you know, check for system update like every right? five seconds. As well, long as you can tag them before they get their update, then you can potentially infect their phone. And really all you need to know is the kind of phone they're using. And you can start crafting. Yeah, so do you, would you like me to explain a little bit how this works, Matt, or did yeah. you? Uh, I was just going to make up something, but if you want to actually explain it, sure. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. So the way that this works is that you install, you go out and you install an app, and the app has malware hidden in it, but the malware is not doing anything because it does not have the ability to. It does not have permission. It's sleeping. Exactly. So what happens when your phone goes through a system update is during that update process, the malware is able to utilize a vulnerability, um, which, I mean, maybe it's just a flaw in how the update process works to get what the team is, what the research team uh, is call- at Indiana University is calling pile-up, which is privilege escalation through updating. <laughs> um, so it is able to, it is able to get you know, more permissions while it's updating, so then it can, you know, uh, it can grab data, it can change files, it can block Google Play. Um, I mean, there's, with with escalated permissions, there's probably a lot of nasty crap that it can do. And this is all because they... Why aren't you scared, Matt? I don't really care either way, but is this, it's all because the way the update (laughs) process works that it retains all of this information... So that when it's restarted, it can just do its thing? So my understanding from reading it is that the update – it's a problem with the update process itself to where it there's some part of that process that allows an app to get escalated privileges it typically could not have. And then to hold um, on to them, right, once it's rebooted. Yes, that is my understanding of it. Um, but uh, yeah, I I don't know. Did you? I was looking. I didn't see a link to the original study, so I really couldn't read exactly how they did it. But you know, from what I read of the article on Tech Republic, that's how it works. That's really interesting. Wow. Yeah, the I, whole permission I harvesting think I think thing, right? Cool that. That's crazy. What's that? The uh, the whole permission harvesting thing and and permission yeah. preempting like this the whole the whole step by step process is like sh- grab the shared UID, contaminate the data, exploit the permission trees, and then last but not least, block Google Play service. <laughs> well, I mean, just keep in mind that the genesis of all of this is in the beginning you download malware. So what Correct. is the easy fix? Don't download the malware. Right, but if I send same... you like yeah. sexypic.jpg.exe or whatever, you know, yeah, it's yeah. it's hard. It's psychology. I'm in your head now, and you yeah. want to click it. You know you yeah. shouldn't, but you want yeah, but, to. But the problem is that Bouncer, like neither Bouncer or um, Amazon, like was able to detect this because it's um, it's the team not released a there. tool that detects it but it's not being detected by yeah. default so you could put it in the play store 
Well, well, it I mean, doesn't have to be Matt selling, sending me Anna Kournikova pictures. Right, true. <laughs> but isn't it because the, the malicious code is completely dormant until it's actually on the device? So, of course, it wouldn't catch it, right? Yeah, well, I mean, one way or the other, the malware is going to get you. It's just having that foresight. You know, a lot of people try to presume that just because it comes from Google Play Store, it's safe. Well, it's no different than the Microsoft Store or, you know, app, the Apple's App Store or any other store. Theoretically, bad stuff could get on there. You know, maybe Apple has greater control. Maybe BlackBerry has no control. They don't give two shits about it. For example, you know, Android's market, for what it's worth, is kind of a happy medium between complete anarchy and maybe too much control. So the bottom line is, you as the owner of that device, you have to be careful what you what you download. And no app store is perfect. And you you know just like any computer you can download stuff by other methods and put it on your device doesn't mean it's safe just because you think it's safe so i don't know but Nick, you know part of the winner very interesting look at look at the image credit for the image down at the bottom image credit indiana university which makes sense and, and microsoft, microsoft research <laughs> wow. nice. what so thanks awesome. microsoft okay. for, out for us so mm. I, I like this. This, it, this requires a little bit more investigation, I think. So it says the malicious app, right, is installed on the device with Android 2.3.6 OS defines a permission for whatever, let's say Google Voice. They're saying com.google.android.apps.google uh, Voice permission receive SMS. Uh, and then on 2.3.6, the OS does not recognize the permission, will not ask the user about the permission when the malicious app is being installed. When yeah. the user starts the update process, going to 4.04, the updating vulnerability within the new OS enables the malicious app to obtain your SMS permission without consent. Yeah. And they're You're also the talking about, like, once you get in there, you can change, like, you can spoof permissions and say, oh, it only needs this and this when it has all the permissions so yeah. once it's in there like that's yeah you should get a yeah, new once, phone <laughs> yeah once you download malware anything can happen but yeah the very first line in this says researchers from indiana university and microsoft research have found so like from the beginning they're basically saying microsoft's helping you know with this research but it is kind of mm, disconcerting well, I found the paper. I'm gonna read this, you know, when maybe on the maybe on the train ride to work I'll read it. Yeah. Eric's gonna read it and maybe next week's app pick will be something special for all of you. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. all right, let's do this week's app picks and uh wrap this thing up. Nick, what do you have for us this week? Okay. Well, I'm slightly biased of course because I just got finished watching Captain America the Winter Soldier, but uh Was it awesome? The, uh, I enjoyed the hell out of it. Nice. I think it was Extremely good. Nice. I won't say more, but you will enjoy it. You should enjoy it. Almost anyone should enjoy that movie. Anyway, so my app pick, not surprisingly, is Captain America related. It's uh, Game Loss version, uh, their game, Captain America, The Winter Soldier. So uh, I only downloaded it today because I forgot. <laughs> I was going to try to download it over the weekend and play it after the movie, but completely forgot everything after I saw the movie. But uh, it's actually the unique thing about it, I don't have it on screen, but it's essentially. Uh, top-down, it's in portrait mode, kind of like Iron Man and some of these other games, but uh, you basically point to the screen and, and your character moves. You actually get, like, a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent helping you out. There's multiplayer. Haven't been able to play much to give you much player feedback, but it's essentially like a demo. Remember Doom and th those kind of games where you'd you know, play the first map, and then if you want to buy the full game, you buy the full game. Well, it starts out as a demo. It's free. You play the first two maps, and if you want to continue playing, well, you have to pay three bucks, and you get the game. But honestly, it's $3 for a very good-looking game. I'd say it's at least as good-looking as the Iron Man game and the Hulk game before it. It's probably the same engine. It's very similar play mechanics from the little I've played from the first level. But uh, but apparently has multiplayer, which is kind of interesting. Uh, so you can actually have others play, play with you, I guess. So I don't know. I, I'd like to look into it more, but it's... Uh, on the Google Play Store. Let me see if I have any other notes here. Um, oh, there are some in-app purchases, but I haven't gone far enough to, to deal with that methodology. So anyways, but it's out there. It's been out for a little more than a week. There's a lot of comments on it. 
seems to be a pretty popular game, but it's Captain America the Winter Soldier. What's the play style? Is it like Diablo or um you're basically like your character's down at the bottom and you basically move and tell them to go certain places and then attack the enemies through different gestures. That's essentially how you do it as you go through through the game. So I don't know the exact name of that playstyle. It does look like Diablo now that you mention it. So it is top down, three dimensional, where you're looking at a small character on screen. So okay, cool. Sweet it looks game. very good. And oh, just one thing, I'm playing on my original Nexus Seven, and it plays just fine. So nice. It, it's not too demanding. Anyone should be able to download it and play it. Really. Captain America. Uh, Eric, what's your app pick? Very good. My epic is not based on a movie, <laughs> at least not one that I've seen. Uh, it is called Threes, uh, like the number three. I I heard about this from, you know, it's it's one of them iPhone first apps. Uh, so I heard people talking about it. <laughs> because it, it was hard Android to do it. Not too long ago. Um, <laughs> what's that? I was just going to say because it was really yeah, hard was to do it on Androids. <laughs> Well, well, the cool thing about it, from what I've seen, it's simplistic but addictive gameplay. That would be a perfect way to describe it. Um, so, if you, I, I think, in order to fully appreciate this, you should go to the link in the show notes and watch the video in the Google Play Store. The basic idea is that anything with that is a anything that is three or divisible by three is get you points at the end of the game. So you have this grid, it's a 4x4 grid, and uh, you have either the number 1 or number 2. Um, or, you know, when you start out, you have it a couple of number 3s, and you're swiping over and up to squish 1 and 2 together to make 3. three. And when you have two 3s together, you can, you can squish them into 6s. And then you can squish two sixes together into twelves. So it gets progressively more difficult as you as you get to these higher numbers. Um, I've only been able to get as high as ninety six, um, which gives me a score of like you know I think at the end of that score I had like two thousand points or whatever. Um, but it is like Nick said, it is like ridiculously ridiculously addictive. Um, like I would I was watching TV last night and. Two hours went by, and I was playing threes the entire time. Yeah, the um, cool thing about that is that – sorry to interrupt, but, uh, I mean, it's, no. it, it's like – how do I explain this? It's like Flappy Bird, but without <laughs> the annoyance, the bullshit. It's, it's got an actual game. <laughs> Nick Carroll from Attack of the Androids describes us as Flappy Bird without the bullshit. <laughs> Pretty yeah. much. Wow, that's perfect. I would – I, it's not as quippy, but it, I mean, it's like to me, it's like Flappy Bird, the addiction of Flappy Bird, but like something weird, like Sudoku, like it. It's, it's rewarding. A very odd... That's the thing. It's rewarding. Because oh, you're yeah. getting your you, brain you, smarter, like... right? What's that? You're getting your brain smarter. You're not just like oh yeah, flipping off Flappy Bird. You're you're like you're working. Well, and you look at it, and you're you're like. You're looking at it saying, I don't know what just happened, but one move and I got all these threes and yes. shit's just – it's all working. Um, it's a wonderful thing, and it, it links in with Google's – like the Google Play Games framework. So oh, nice. um, like if I go to leaderboards uh, and high score, for example, they have all sorts of different things. But like high score, um, I can look at the high score of friends in my circles. So I can see that Shane Brady has – you know completely killed me because he's reached 7,137 points and my high score is like, well, what the f***? It, it, it erased my high score. It says it's only 1,200. Oh. oh wow. So it's, it's whatever. There's some bugs here and now I'm kind of pissed. But it's a cool game. It's a buck ninety-nine. Don't be cheap. You know, use my other app pick, the Google Rewards, get some money and buy this stupid game because it's fun. I'll tell you, it's been in my bookmark or my wish list for a while now, and I keep wanting to get it, and then I keep forgetting about it. Um, also, 7x7, seven seven, if you guys are playing, we can all use our leaderboards and see who's awesome at that game because right now I'm pretty sure it's... And what is 7x7? Seven seven? It's just a dumb color Connect 4 type of thing, but it's so addictive. So I will play threes with you 
if you play 7 by 7 with me. I think that was my app pick a few weeks ago, but it's 7x7. So, uh, 3s is awesome. I have to agree. I'm, I'm going to download it now since I have $2 in my account. <clears throat> and, uh, yeah. Uh, my app pick, it's called Virus Shield. You should all download it and get pwned. No, I'm kidding. It's actually a game that might be malware, but <clears throat> it's kind of fun. It's called The Adventure of No Lad. No, I don't know. Uh, it's like a side-scrolly runner game, but you can shoot stuff and you can jump over shit. And it's uh, it kind of reminds me of Mega Man. So check it out. It's very fun. And I'll tell you what, this just, you know, it's really aggravating. In between each time you die, they give you an ad. How about we stop doing that in games? Can we, can we all, can we agree on? Because that is so annoying. <laughs> And you're lucky. Now that's real punishment. The only reason I downloaded this is because I have to come up with a new app pick every week. So, yeah. well, that's a reward to actually succeed. Try not to die. So you'd have to see another. Yeah, pretty much, right? Very, very annoying, but kind of a fun game. It's. Called... I just had a really great idea. What's that? An ad. You make a game where you die, but you can undo the dying if you watch an ad. <laughs> Yeah, good point. Pretty sure you game loft ads is in the game. You pre- know, ad pops up here. You got to dodge it. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Yeah, pretty like sure game Pepsi. loft already does that. <laughs> here and then play this slot machine because gambling's fun. <laughs> so uh, yeah, the adventure of No Lad. Check it out uh, on the Google Play Store until it gets flagged for malware. No, I'm kidding. I have no idea. So we can't fully endorse i mean we can fully endorse some of these apps but the ones i just randomly tell you about just be careful (laughs) matt can fully endorse these apps that's right every one of them every single one of them with eric's signature i fully endorse them (laughs) with eric's malware laden infected spoofed digital signature Mm -hmm. which he will use to sign emails from Microsoft Research? No, what's our email address, asshole? <laughs> oh my god, I forgot. It's show at attackoftheandroids.com. Brought to you by Microsoft Research. Right. Leave us a message, 406-204-4687, attackoftheandroids.com. That's our site. We're on Stitcher. Subscribe and iTunes. Give us a review. We appreciate all that. Hang out with us throughout the week on the Google Plus community. We've got a Facebook page and a Twitter account you can follow. Uh, join us Wednesday nights for Yats. Tuesday nights, of course, Attack of the Androids. Uh, thanks for listening, guys. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to Attack of the Androids. Attackoftheandroids.com